morning. What another wonderful time we had in worship, and what a great and anointed song that song is. You know that song, In the Land of the Living. Come on. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right, well, we're going to start with prayer. So we've had worship, we've had prayer, but I, I, just, want to, I just want to pray for the word to settle in land this morning. So Father, thank you that you're here with us. Thank you, Lord. As PJ said, your word is living. We honor your word in our lives. We're so thankful for the anointed songs that you've given that we can sing truth in a song and the power of that. But Lord, as I bring the word this morning, I pray that it won't be stolen in any way, Lord, but that this word, like seed, will land in the soil of our hearts and take root and bear fruit for your kingdom, that your kingdom will grow on the inside of every single person here, on the inside of every single person watching online, that you will be glorified and really, Lord, that your kingdom will come in very real and identifiable ways because of this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, well, we're going to launch straight in with the scriptures this morning. So if I could have the first slide, please. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Ah, we've skipped a bit, I think. No? Okay. I remember it a bit different. But my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth at all times, continually. At all t- there's no space for anything else, basically. At all times, continually. If something's continual, it doesn't stop, does it? And actually, in my Bible, this psalm, Psalm 34, is entitled, The Happiness of Those Who Trust in Him, or The Happiness of Those Who Trust in the Lord. Now, we're to praise Him at all times, continually, number one, because He's worthy, Because he is who he is. He is our almighty God and he is worthy of our praise. But number two, there are some amazing benefits that boomerang back on us. And let me tell you, we very much need those. Number one, he's worthy. Number two, we need what he gives back to us. And I want to speak this morning about an atmosphere of praise. We're all creating an atmosphere around us all the time by the things we think, think, the things we speak, the attitudes we have. We're creating an atmosphere and we live in it and the people around us live in it as well. The people you live in, live with, live in your atmosphere and the people you work with will live in the atmosphere you create. They can't help it. It's just how it is. And we've all met people, let's be honest, that we'd rather not be around. You know, they're kind of negative and gloomy, angry even, bitter. They kind of suck the energy out of the room and you just want to get away, right? We all do. You just don't want to be around those kind of people. 
And I, you know, it, it really is best not to be one of those people yourself, isn't it? Bit of advice there. So I just want to say, save yourself. And if not for yourself, for the other people around you, save them by being a God praiser. And we're going to unpack this this morning. And I trust that, you know, we've prayed and agreed this seed is going to land and bear fruit in our lives about being a God praiser at all times, continually. Now, uh, last week I was sharing a bit about the reality of tough times. We, we all, when we're in a tough time, we all want the quick exit, don't we? We all want the miraculous deliverance. But there are times when the only way out is through. Isn't that the case? The only way to go through well and to have a healthy soul really is to be a God praiser. To praise him despite what we feel and to praise him despite the circumstances. I'm going to have to take my jacket off. Why don't you just say to the person next to you, yet yeah, next to you, my goal is to be a God praiser at all times, continually. At all times. <laughs> right, now I've got a slide. This is why. This is why we can praise him at all times and continually, because praise is not a denial of circumstances. Facts are facts, you know, and (laughs) facts aren't always great all the time continually. But praise is not a denial of those facts or those circumstances. It's an acknowledgement of the one who is greater than the circumstances. So we really have to drag our attention off the problem and fix it on him. Um, I brought a scripture last weekend, Nahum 1 verse 7, and it says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. He's our stronghold in trouble or in, in troubled days. But also, he is the one out. He is, he's the one who brings the deliverance out of that trouble. So he's the He's the stronghold in it, but he's also the exit route out of it. And as Mary, Jesus' mother, said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. So if he tells you to forgive, forgive. If he tells you to repent, repent. If he tells you to praise, Come on. Well, actually, there is no if about that one. He will always tell you to praise. He always tells me to praise. And you know what? This is maturity, church. It's about growing up because we're blessed if we mature. Really, we are. And that means we need to do very often the exact opposite of what we feel. PJ this week said to me, it's like turning right when everything in you wants to turn left. Like willing, willing yourself, because we have a spirit of self-control, to go this way when everything in you wants to go that way. By him we can. And 
It's about ruling ourselves, actually. If we don't rule ourselves, we make ourselves vulnerable. And there's a proverb, Proverbs 25, that says this. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down and without walls. That's not a good state to be in, is it? Vulnerable, open to the attacks of the enemy. But the good news is, if you're born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives actually is that we can take control. We don't have to do everything we think and feel and want. He gives us his ability to do his will. So if we praise him in the midst of trouble, or even on an average day, quite honestly, something quite amazing takes place, and it's taken place here this morning. Psalm 22 verse 3 says this, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. There's another translation that says he inhabits the praises of his people. There's an experience of the presence of God as his people praise him. A manifestation of his presence and power. We had it this morning. God's here in our midst right now, whether you feel him or not. But you know, the more we praise him, there's actually a tangible experience of the supernatural power of God. It invites him in. He doesn't inhabit complaint. (laughs) He doesn't inhabit frustration. Complaining, you know, that you don't get a breakthrough with complaining. And I want to explain a bit what that means because there are times when you need to just be able to say, well, do you know what? Today's a tough day. I'm still going through this process with my eyes, actually. And the Lord is... um, There's a process of healing going on, but it's process. And some days are not as good as others. And you need to be able to say, well, do you know what? Actually, today's a bit of a tough day. That's not complaining. That's just, this is fact. But I'll always land it on however. You know, Psalm 71 says he's a refuge. He's the one to whom I will resort continually. I will hope continually. And I will praise him yet more and more because I will see the goodness of the Lord as you will in the land of the living, if you're a believing believer. Anyway, that's different to complaint. Complaint has a tone to it, doesn't it? I know myself when I've started down the road of complaint, and so do you. Complaint is expressing resentment, being bitter about the situation you're in. It's a different thing. He's not drawn to complaint. He's not drawn to that kind of language. But there is another one who is, let me tell you. And this is a serious matter. It's not a light matter. The attitude we live in and the stuff that comes out of our mouths, it's either going to draw the goodness of God, the power of God into our lives and situations, or it's going to draw the enemy. A little bit like flies are drawn to rubbish, rotting rubbish. The enemy is drawn to the rot that sometimes we allow out of our mouths. So if God's enthroned on the praises of his people, who is enthroned on complaint, frustration, criticism, empowered even? Yikes. 
You'll all have heard the saying, I'm sure. If you've got nothing good to say, say nothing at all. We've all heard that, right, haven't we? If you've got nothing good to say, don't even bother opening your mouth. Say nothing at all. Silence is better than the negative. Of course, it's an improvement on that, but it doesn't bring you into the positive. You know, it kind of brings you to neutral in a sense, but it doesn't bring you into the positive. So to stay silent in trouble, or even on an average day, it's a foolish thing to do. Because we need God. (laughs) We need the presence and power of God. And so we got to let praise out of our mouths, not just in our heads, but out of our mouths. Because praising God brings his lifting ability his supernatural power. It breaks the yoke of the enemy, actually. And it lifts off spirits of heaviness. Anybody experience one of them? We all have, right? Isaiah 61. Most of you will know this well. It's speaking about the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it lists all these different things. And then it says, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. But look at that, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit. I just want to say right here, right now, it's not just a thought or a feeling or a, oh, I'm having a bit of an off day. I'm on a bit of a downer today. It's, we are spiritual beings. We live actually in a spiritual environment all the time. We're not always aware of it. But the spirit world is as real as we are. And there are spirits, the spirit of God, holy, awesome, amazing, good. And, of course, there are um, demonic spirits. And there's this thing called the spirit of heaviness. And it's very good to recognize it's a spirit. If you feel pushed down or kind of like just heavy yourself, like, you know, you've got a dark cloud over you and it just won't lift and you can't seem to shake it off. You can't seem to get rid of it. The only way to get rid of it is to put on a garment of praise. Really, just start, despite the feelings and the heavy pushed down sense, throw it off like a cloak. Throw it off and put on a garment of praise. And praise is always for God. Always, always, always. But there's this brilliant added bonus that it throws off a spirit of heaviness. It deals with the enemy. And Psalm 149 says this. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. Now, our battle, we know it's not against flesh and blood. This isn't a human enemy. It's a spiritual enemy, spirit of heaviness, spirit of fear, The enemy's called the deceiver of the brethren. These lies, you know, sometimes you can be bombarded. It's like it's not just one, bombarded. 
these lies one after another. And my gosh, the spirit of heaviness comes right on the back of that. But, you know, if the enemy can get us to believe a lie, he can steal. As long as you can hold up the shield of faith with the sword of the spirit, you can defeat. You start to praise God, that heaviness goes. But if he can get you to believe the lie, that's when he can steal. All sorts of things. But anyway, we need to get the high praises of God in our mouths and praise him for who he is. Thank you, Lord, that you're bigger than this sickness. Thank you, Lord, you're greater than this trouble. Thank you, Lord, you're more powerful than this person. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, who gives me the victory through my Lord, Jesus Christ. Your Lord, Jesus Christ. It's powerful. And you know what? It's absolutely vital that we do this. A, to give God the glory, but to lift this heaviness off. To put the enemy to flight. And you know, praise sets miracles in motion. This is not just a natural thing. Do you remember Paul and Silas in Acts 16? Feet in stocks, in the inner prison, dark, depressing. They didn't, you know, they didn't even deserve to be there. And yet there they were. But they weren't dark and depressed on the inside. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And verse 26 said, there suddenly came. God sent an earthquake. The chains were loosed. That was a setup. The praise brought the deliverance. But the point is they were praising him before. They were praising him when their feet were still in the stocks. They were praising him when it was still dark and everything looked pretty grim. And so often, in fact, always, we want circumstances to change first before we praise him. Am I right or not? I mean, don't we? Like our attitude is, well, when this changes, Lord, I'm going to praise you like you wouldn't believe. The high praises of God will be in my mouth. But from his point of view, that's backwards. Because that requires no faith at all. If your circumstances have changed, it's like, well, that's that then. Facts are all good. But we've got to praise him in faith. Praise him for the victory first, then he brings it. And you know, it took me a lot of years to realize that I need to rejoice first to feel joy. I had a natural mindset towards it, like a lot of people. If I feel joy, I'll rejoice. Anybody here like that? Or maybe it used to be like that. Nobody wants to admit to it. I was like that. If I feel happy, if I feel joy, then I'll rejoice. And the Lord says, do you know what? You'll be waiting a long time that way. (laughs) Really. And it's how the enemy steals our joy. Because he gets us waiting for the feeling. And if he can steal our joy, he steals our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. it's, It's like a double whammy. If he's got your joy, he's got your strength as well. And so we need to call time on this and recognize I need to be a rejoice first person. Rejoice first. Because remember, pray, uh, yes, praise is not a denial of the circumstances. It's an acknowledgement of the one who is greater. And so we need to start when we don't feel like it. We need to start when we're still in the prison, when The walls haven't come down when our feet are still in the stocks, when we're still hurting. I shared a testimony briefly last weekend of when my marriage first broke down. 
And I'm sharing this because it's, I still am amazed really by what the Lord did for me in that time. And it was within the first few months and I can still remember where I was in the house. I was on the landing and we had some framed photos. I was looking at them and I was just overwhelmed with grief really. Had the estate agent coming around to value the house in the afternoon and I was just undone, just a mess. And the Lord said to me, sing, <sighs> sing. And I know, I know what I said to the Lord, what do I sing? Like I'll sing, but I, don't, I can't even think of a song. Anyway, immediately came to me to sing this song and it's an old song. Some of you will know it. it's a Ron Canoli song. You've turned my morning into dancing again. You've lifted my sorrow. I can't stop praising. I will sing for your joy has come. Did I feel it? Oh, no. But I tell you what, as I started to sing that song, something happened on the inside of me. And I mean instant. It was like there was a supply of God in my soul. I'm like, what is this? And so I just kept on singing. I didn't know any more words than that. I only knew the chorus. So I just kept on singing that on repeat. And I'm like, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. Just please don't stop. Keep doing this because I need this. I need you to do whatever it is you're doing on the inside here. And I managed to get hold of the album. The album is called Lift Him Up. And they were just, I mean, they're, they're very 80s. And it's quite reggae. It was a CD I got. And I didn't actually have a CD player in my house. But I had one in my car. And I used to go and sit in my car and put the CD on or just drive around. You've turned my morning, just blasting out into dancing again. You've lifted my sorrows. Anyway, because it, it was, I knew it was working something in me. It was a tool, really. One of the tools God used. Like this first aid kit that he gave me to bring a healing that was just supernatural. Wasn't natural. Wasn't natural process. And so by lifting him up, it lifted me up. It was like I had a life vest on and I pulled the cord. It was like, whoosh. I was sinking down and going deeper. But I'd shot to the surface, it like, boom, how the heck? It was God. Still is, and to him be all the glory. But it only works, church, when we do it, not when we feel like it. Psalm 24 says this. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Who's going to come in? The king of glory. The king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is this king of glory. And so, God lives in us. If you're born again this morning, God lives in you by his spirit. But we must make the choice to open that gate and let him into our souls because, my gosh, our souls need him. And the people around us, they need our souls to be full of God, the power, 
the presence of God, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And so the answer, church, you may have been asking any number of questions, and one answer is praise him. Praise him despite how you feel. Praise him despite your circumstances. Praise, praise, praise him. It says in Psalm 113, from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Now, I'm an early riser, and I'm also a dog walker, and so very often I get to see both. I see it rise, and I see it set, and I love to see a a sunrise or a sunset, particularly a sunrise. To me, this morning's was a belter. If anybody got to see that, it was awesome. It was like this band. It was quite an unusual one. This band of darkness, like a seam across the sky, dark, gray, but then underneath, such brightness, such the oranges, the yellows, the pinks. It was like, wow, wow. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork, Psalm 19 says. And to me, every time I see a sunrise or a sunset, it speaks to me of the creativity of God, the majesty of God, but also the greatness of our God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion endures to all generations, it says. Till Christ returns, his kingdom will endure. Where's his kingdom, church? What did Jesus say? It's not over here or over there. It's within you. He's put his kingdom within you. The kingdom is the place where the king reigns. We live in another kingdom. It's called the kingdom of darkness. We live in it. We'll step out this building right back into it. You know, we live and work with people who are in the kingdom of darkness. But my gosh, light and darkness don't mix. You know, you can be in the kingdom of darkness, but don't let it be in you. Like, we have to be in the world. He wants us in the world to shine bright. But we can't let that on the inside of us. Matthew 6 says, If the light in you becomes dark, how great is that darkness? And, and there's a warning there, and it's a really important warning. You know, it, it's good to have non-Christian friends, but monitor the influence. Are, they, are you drawing them to the Lord, or are they drawing you to the world? You know, the greatest influences in our lives, what are they? What effect do they have on us? Is the light shining bright, or are those influences causing it to dim? It's a good question. So God has put his kingdom of light in us because he wants us to shine in the world and for them to see and be changed. This word firmament has been going around my head this week. And and I looked it up. It actually means stretched out expanse of sky, as in the Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. But I found this other scripture in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, and it's, it's speaking of end times, actually. And it says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. We're not just here to be blessed. He loves us. 
He couldn't love us more. He wants us blessed. No good thing will he withhold from those whose, uh, whose, heart, whose walk is upright, whose hearts are set on him. You know, last year, the blessing of a set heart. Daily loading with benefits, but we're here for more than that. If we were simply here just to be blessed, the minute we got saved, he'd just take us straight to heaven there and then. Because quite honestly, it's even more blessed up there. Isn't it? No more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow, no more sighing, it says. Imagine a day without a sigh. I mean, that would be heaven all by itself, would it not? But look, if we were just here to be blessed, poof, off you go. We're here on earth to shine, to be a different people, you know? To handle situations differently, to handle people differently, so that our lives speak and we represent him, the king, our king. Really, the main point of our lives is to be Christ's ambassador. He's reconciled us to himself so that we then can reconcile others. We're going to look at Isaiah 60 and verses 1 to 2. Arise. Shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Not just the person next to you, upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Now I was talking to PJ in the week. Um, The world is dark and quite frankly getting darker still. And that is the way it's just going to go. In the last days, scripture says, deception will get worse and worse. Watch out for that. It says, if the days had not been cut short, even the elect wouldn't be able to stand. It's getting darker and darker. Deception's getting more and more. And don't think you're immune. No one of us here are immune to that. Pray, Lord, protect me. Keep that helmet of salvation. I, my goal every day, Lord, let me think and see like you see. But anyway, this this darkness that's going on, PJ was sharing this story that was in the news last weekend of a funeral of a, a mother and a child. Um, and in London this was. And it, it was, you know, it was a big funeral. There's a lot of people attending. And there was a drive-by shooting The people had come out of the church, they'd spilled out onto the pavements, and somebody came along and just started firing. What depravity, what darkness of heart and mind for something like that to go on. Our light has come, it says. Jesus, the light of the world, has come to you. We were in darkness, and darkness was in us, but he's removed it, and he's put his kingdom of light on the inside. Now, our responsibility is to arise, arise, shine, really to get serious about God and to sow to the Spirit so that he will shine out of our lives, and he does. You know, for those who sow to the Spirit, there's this shining starts to happen, this feel of God, this touch of God about their lives. We're his answer. If we don't shine in the darkness, there will be no light. You know, if we don't, if we don't do this stuff, you know, be who God calls us to be, praise him when we don't feel like it, 
Rejoice first. If we don't do that, people will remain without God and without hope in the world. But of course, we can arise. God's in us. We can throw off that spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise and he will shine out of our lives. You know, we have that word, I'm sure you've seen it downstairs, um, that, that the Lord gave us really to put down there because it's like our main call is to shine, shine bright in the midst of this crooked and perverse generation. Be who we are. We have a different king. We belong to a different kingdom. Let that shine. And you know, the thing is, when people are drawn to the real life, they just can't help it. They always have been. Think of Jesus. Think of the apostles in Acts. People are always drawn to the real life, always will be. Verse 3 of Isaiah 60 says this. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Is there a next bit? Well, anyway, that's good enough. They'll come to the real light. They'll come to the genuine like a moth to a flame. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. We're going to fast forward to verse 18. Look at this amazing promise in Isaiah 60. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise, right? Salvation is God's part. That's the wall. Praise is ours. His role in your life and my life is to be the saving one. Our role is to be a God praiser, right? And so we need to lift our eyes above all the problems that are going on in the world, above all the problems that are going on in our own lives, really, and not allow them to become bigger than God in our eyes. This is the crux issue in your eyes. Is the problem bigger or is God bigger? He's the almighty one. He's the all-knowing one. He's the all-powerful one. Our praise and our exaltation doesn't move him any higher. Please get this point. God can't be moved any higher. He is the most high God. He's in the highest place in the universe, the highest place of authority and power. Our most high God, it doesn't move him. It doesn't change him. Who does it change? Who does it move? Me and you. Our praise exalts God in our eyes. Your praise exalts God in your eyes. And this is vital, absolutely vital. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning as you're getting ready for work, who do you say I am today? Because it really matters who you say he is. We don't praise God because he's insecure. We don't praise God because he needs a boost himself. You know, he needs a bit of encouragement. No, we praise God because we need reminding of who he is. Praise is the gate. And a gate's an entry point, right? So our praise, he's enthroned, he inhabits the praises of his people. Your praise and my praise create an entry point 
for this king of glory to come in and manifest himself. And this has to be lifestyle, has to be. Because let's face it, we all, we have so many challenges in one single day, do we not? If you get through a day without a challenge, you've had a remarkable day. I'm not talking about the extreme stuff. I'm talking about annoying stuff. You know, the little things. I, I, I'll finish in a minute, but I'm just going to share this testimony because, um, well, anyway, happened this week. Monday night, Sam, PJ and myself were having a chat about our favorite programs on TV. It was random, really. I don't know why we've not talked about this before. But anyway, we talked about it on Monday night. And they shared theirs as um, they like detective whodunit kind of mystery things. I like landscape artist of the year and portrait artist of the year. They're my, I love those programs. Like, it's not my cup of tea. It's Debs' cup of tea. We like that. I find it amazing what these people can do. Like, shock and awe. That's a talent. Wow. Anyway... So, and I save them. I save them because they're so good. They're like my best ones, my best favorite programs. I've got 39 of them on my planner. And for a treat, I watch one. But I like to not watch them too often because I don't want to get to the end of them. Do you know what I mean? You all have your favorite whatever it is. And you, it's like, oh, okay, I'll watch one for a treat. Anyway, blow me. Tuesday night, I thought, well, I'm just going to put one of them on. Oh, my gosh. It said, um, blah, 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 basically it wouldn't show it unless I upgraded my subscription, which was a load of rubbish because nothing had changed. I went through all 39, every single one was like, no, 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 you have to upgrade your prescription, uh, subscription. Honestly, I was like, I do not believe this, this is, yeah, I had a bit of a, this, this is a test, this, and I'm not happy about this. I went upstairs to my office to get my documents to phone the TV network. I won't name and shame. And I saw on my desk my notes were an atmosphere of praise. I'm like, yes, Lord, I do praise you, but I do not praise these people. They are rubbish. This is a rubbish service. And stuff happens, and let's face it, it's downright wrong. It's just wrong. It shouldn't be. And it's annoying. But it's how we handle it, is it not, that matters to God. I always think when I'm undergoing a little test, he's allowing this test not for him to see what I will do. He fully knows what I will do. It's for me to see how I will react, right? In Ephesians 4, 6, it says, be angry, but don't sin. Ha, I find that one really sobering, that little, however many words it is, short one. Be, be angry, well, anyway. There's a lot said in a few words, is my point. Be angry, but don't sin. Watchman Nee says, and he's right, these things are very close. Anger and sin are very close. There's a fine line between the two. You can, be, you can have a righteous anger, as Jesus did when he overturned the tables in the temple. You turn my father's house into a den of thieves, right? That was like a righteous anger. But be angry, but don't sin. It do, it, 
it, it doesn't say love, but don't sin. Encourage, but don't sin. No, because they're like far apart. Opposite. But be angry and don't sin. So we need to watch it. It actually goes on to say, get rid of all anger, malice, wrath, bitterness. Get rid. Get rid of it. Choose to forgive. Forgive often and forgive quick. We have to refuse resentment. Really refuse it. And it, it, it likes to come in if it can. Get rid of any angst. Just get rid of it. Choose to forgive often and choose to forgive quick. Psalm 45 says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. My heart is overflowing with a good theme. If you don't know what the theme is in your heart, just take a listen to your mouth. (laughs) Really, because it's the overflow tap. Whatever is in there comes out of here. And if it isn't good, sort it. Because you can't complain and see a breakthrough. You can't be frustrated and annoyed Have this angst going on with other people and draw God. You will draw the other one, the one you don't want. It's a foothold and he's in and he will steal more. And so my question today is this for the ministry time. Really for all of us, stop and consider what atmosphere are you creating and what atmosphere are you living in? Have you let the problems become really big and God become small in your eyes? It's, they're good questions, aren't they? And um, if you're honest, and that's true for you, I just really want to encourage you, repent. I'm not going to mince my words or sugarcoat it. Because Acts says it's a repentance back to life. A turning back to God's way of doing things. And it is life-giving and it is life-changing. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to respond to the Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.